Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored. A child's heartbreaking 911 call exposes shocking police cowardice in the Avalde school massacre. Also tonight, broken and out of control, the British government admits there's a migrant crisis, but where are their ideas for fixing it? Plus, as protests intensify ahead of the World Cup in Qatar, is it time for whining sports stars to either shut up or pull out? Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. When a country appears to lose control of its borders, as we're seeing in Joe Biden's United States, for example, people feel unsafe and they feel resentful. So has Britain lost control, as our own Home Secretary says? Well, look at some facts. 40,000 people are crossing this channel in small boats this year. It's already a record. Many of them are trafficked here by criminal gangs who don't care if they live or drown. There's a backlog of 100,000 asylum cases. A major migrant centre is four times its capacity with third world conditions and outbreaks of diphtheria. Another one was attacked with a petrol bomb. This doesn't look like control to me. In fact, quite the opposite. It's fast becoming the first crisis of what's been a reassuringly crisis-free start otherwise to Rishi Sunak's premiership. Here's what Sakir Starmer said at Prime Minister's Questions today. If the asylum system is broken and his lot have been in power for 12 years, how can it be anyone's fault but theirs? Well, he's right. They told us very clearly, when we get Brexit done, we can control our borders. But we haven't. The numbers are going up, not down. And we quite clearly do not have control. But what the Prime Minister said in response sums up the abject mess that we're now in. Border control is a serious, complex issue. But not only does the party opposite not have a plan, they have opposed every single measure we have taken to solve the problem. You can't attack a plan if you don't have a plan. Well, he's right, isn't he? It's very easy to throw rocks at stupid ideas, but what is Labour's solution? I'm yet to hear a good one. Royal Navy patrols have failed, throwing money at the French and leaving it with them has also failed ludicrously threatening to fly everyone to Rwanda, which so far has cost £140 million and resulted in precisely zero deportations, has also failed. And the worst thing of all, this is the woman currently in charge of fixing it. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast. Invasion? It's not an invasion. An invasion is what Vladimir Putin's doing in Ukraine with tanks and rockets. So Ella Braverman knew exactly what she was doing, deflecting attention from her own scandals and incompetence. What Britain faces is a crisis of his own making and a crisis of talentless leaders with no clue what to do about it. Sacking Leaky Sue might be a good place to start. But let's be also clear about another thing. Britain needs immigrants. They're the backbone of so much of this country. The NHS hospitality. You name it, we rely a lot on immigrants from this country. They pay vast fees to study in our world-class universities. They service in restaurants, bars, shops. They toil in our fields. These people work hard, often in jobs nobody else wants to do. And they pay taxes. We need more legal immigration. You ask anybody who works in these industries, we need more. But we also need to control illegal immigration. And these two things can go hand in hand. 
Well, joining me now is the chair of Brit PC UK and former politician Henry Bolton and broadcaster Jenny Kleeman. Well, welcome to both of you. Um, Henry Bolton, yep. when Suella Braverman uses a phrase like invasion, she does it to rally the right, uh, to rally people who think we are literally being invaded by illegal immigrants. That's not true. We're not being invaded by illegal immigrants. They're not invading us. These are, in many cases, desperate people coming because they have nowhere else to be. They've been maybe in war-torn countries. Not all. Some are gaming the system. We know that. But to describe them as an invasion is such inflammatory, stupid rhetoric. Uh, Piers, I'm, I'm going to partly agree with you and partly disagree. Um, uh, we talk about pitch invasions. Are we saying that that's inflammatory? The answer is no. And of course, well, you're comparing of course, refugees uh, and no, asylum no, seekers uh, to football hooligans no, invading no, no. a pitch. I, I think actually, Are you? I think actually, Piers, you're comparing the language that you'd use regarding an invasion of a football pitch with. Compare with what the Home Secretary has said no, about what's happening just, on the South Coast. No, you've literally just compared uh, refugees and asylum no, seekers no, no. to football hooligans. No, 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 what I'm and, that, saying, and that again, no, Henry, no, no, Henry that again is what you, I call you, needlessly inflammatory a, rhetoric. Yes, you've asked me a question. And you've answered it no, in an inflammatory way. Because you're now making an accusation about something that's not true. Well, do you want to what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you that there is a hypocrisy amongst people in the media who are saying Suella Braverman is wrong to call this an invasion, when actually one of the accepted uh, definitions of invasion... For example, you can have an invasion of flying ants. You can have an... Sorry? It, it, have a look in the dictionary picture. <laughs> sorry, so you're now comparing no, refugees and asylum seekers... The bottom line here is... ..football hooligans and flying <laughs> ants. But people do you not understand, Henry? Well, no, what I do not how understand, How disgusting Piers, that sounds Piers, do you to not understand people? that the majority of people, as you said in your introduction, are highly concerned about this. Yes. And the situation is that what we've got in the media is people focusing on whether the Home Secretary called it an invasion or whether or not, the instead of whether the government's got a plan to solve it. And what I agree with you on is that the government doesn't have a plan. It hasn't had a plan for years, and in this, this situation has been going on since 2001. That's, wow. that's what we should all be focusing but literally, on, is the government yeah, developing But the reason we're focusing on the use of language mm -hmm. is precisely for what you've just done. You've just compared asylum seekers and refugees no, to I, football hooligans and to flying ants. Piers, 42%... And that is incredibly Piers, insulting. Piers, 42% of the people who've come across the channel since May this year are Albanians, 95% of which are young men between age, uh, ages 18 and 35. 70% no, of Albanians in the UK do I, not come from Albania. Did correct, you know that? I do, because I was a UN governor in Kosovo. Right. I was advisor to the Albanian... Albanian Prime Minister, mm. and I led the UK's efforts in the Republic of Macedonia next door to disrupt transnational... They're also perfectly entitled, Henry Bond. And, they're perfectly well, entitled to try and come into this country. Yes, they are. Then and they, they should be processed. And there is an, and, then they should be processed and, and there is for an asylum no, if they qualify for that. And they are at the moment. But they are not, for example, in Germany or France, because Germany and France have said no, because Germany and France recognise that Albania is a safe country. And the reality is that... We We've got an issue here, which comes together, and I'm not... I've got Albanian friends. I, I worked okay, in Albania... Don't try that. No, I, I worked in Albania, Piers. Don't, right. don't come that with me. You're, you're really being quite aggressive. You're trying to... I am, because your language, I'm, I'm your language you, is Braverman-like. No, no, my language They're all is, a bunch of football hooligans is, invading us. They're a bunch of flying no, ants. My, They're not. My, They're I didn't real say people. They are. You did. You compared them to flying ants and hooligans. Piers, please, let me get a word in. Yes. Thank you. 
I said that I've, I feel that's a hypocrisy between the media, who you're perfectly happy using the word invasion re in relation to football fans you're who go the pitch. And, and you are saying that Braverman's not right. You'll call it a football invasion, but you... Bunch, sorry, oh my, let me explain no, we, to you. We, we're going into ridiculous detail Actually, here. we're not, We've got we're 40, not actually. people All right, let me bring in Jenny. Bring in coming Jenny. to the South All right, Coast. If I just say, That's Jenny, the problem. I, I think... Jenny, here's the problem. The casual use of this kind yes. of language and analogy it's is exactly casual, part of the problem. Is that when you compare genuine we're refugees, not... which many of them will be, people seeking asylum, Many coming from countries which, by the way, have been war torn because we started a war there. Not in Albania, with you? Oh my God! Uh, no, but we have in places like something. Iraq, right? Not in Albania. Right? Twelve thousand people. What you made your views clear about Albania. That's what so, we should be holding the government. We're going to explore that, but Jenny, okay, on the good. use of inflammatory yes. language, this is part of the problem. If you demonise all these people, that to me doesn't help anybody. The point is, you are deliberately either setting people up as your enemy that invades you or you're dehumanising them. Neither, them which I'm doing. Ants or, or, or cockroaches or, or whatever mm. it is. So Ella Braverman, all she's got is rhetoric. Can you name a single thing that she's done in all the time that she has been in the Cabinet? She has nothing. She has no ideas. She has no plans. She just has language where she talks about her dream of sending people to Rwanda. Right. She talks about tofu eating, wokarati. That's all she's got. Culture wars. She uses this language to deflect from the fact that she doesn't have a plan. And the problem is not the invasion of migrants. The problem is the backlog. And the backlog is caused by problems at the Home Office with processing people. Yes, there are Which, record Henry, you would agree with? I would agree. And yes, Peter, if it's I not say, an I've invasion. 14 governments to solve problems of nearly this scale. No, I, successfully. I, I, and, I agree. And, and my point, uh, I would totally agree. There is no plan. The process is wrong. The law is wrong. That There are these knee-jerk reactions coming out of the Home Office and the government, such as you were quite, quite right, and I totally agree with you regarding the ridiculous... The idea of sending them to Rwanda. This is all ridiculous stuff. The fact is that there is no cohesive strategy, and without that strategy, there is not going to be a proper plan. Cross government. But the very least, but the very least things. But Henry, Bob, the very least we should be doing is treating these people with basic dignity and respect. I agree. If with they're you. prepared to risk their lives, which many of them do, and many have lost mm. their lives in the process of coming over the channel in dinghies because vile traffickers have screwed them for however much money it may be, the least we can do as a supposedly civilised, humane country is actually treat <laughs> them with that. some form of dignity and, and can, respect. Can we not forget that there was a terrorist attack on an asylum centre on Sunday? Mm. And we know that this kind of language, dehumanising language, treating these people as invaders, people who are coming to take over our country, people who are insects, is the sort of thing that enables terrorists to commit these terrible well, attacks. So here's Henry, Henry, let me, let me just ask you something, Henry, Henry Bolton. You were very exercised about the Just Stop Oil activists, and you yes. tweeted this, arrest, charge for criminal damage, prosecute sentenced to whatever community service hours are required to clean it and fine for whatever it costs, jail for six months. Very strong, unequivocal, this is how we deal with them, right? Uh, uh, I'm a former police officer as well, Pierce, right. and I have arrested people for lesser criminal damage than that. Yeah. They have been... They've, the Crown Prosecution Service have made the decision to charge. They've gone to court 
and they've been sent to jail and given community service and all. What was your reaction uh, when... Well, so I'm, what was your reaction I, I when be a, a maniac threw a petrol bomb at a Dover migrant centre? I'm appalled. Really? Okay, yes, Let I me remind you what no, you actually no, tweeted. No, no, hang on. T- tweet, no, hang on. Twitter has 140 Let me remind you of what you actually you, you tweeted. Go ahead and then Reports let me comment on it. somebody threw petrol bombs at the Dover Migrant Centre, which is on fire, then took their own life. This shocking news shows the level of frustration. It does. It's shocking news because... Sorry? It, level you think of frustration? It's not you, know, you think it's not shocking and you think that... This was an absolute and... racist lunatic... Fine. ...waging but, a but, terror but, campaign let's, Piers, on let's, innocent let's migrants not, in a migrant we, centre. There is something that I think all three of us can and agree you, you on. See more, you seem more appalled and more draconian about a bunch of people spraying oh, no, paint on buildings no, no, you're than you ridiculous. are about a bloke trying to no, murder being, people. Now you're being ridiculous. That no, whole, no, they're that your tweets. Literally your tweets within the space of two days. That is the context of what we, I think, all three can agree on is that the government doesn't have a properly co- cohesive and thought-through plan for this. Yes, but and my point... Is, there is, and I what agree I'm with saying you. is I agree that when you. you've got that but level Henry, of frustration growing you. in the here's population, you're going to see these problems. I'm not problem. justifying them. Fine. It feels like a it, it, it doesn't. Does. It doesn't. Unfortunately, you put it down to it shows how frustrated people are. No, <laughs> people it are shows there are murderous maniacs who are of racist... Course who want to kill migrants. Of course. That's uh, what that showed. Piers, if you look at my career, I've spent most of it fighting people like that. You can understand people being confused, And Henry. you can understand the You popular... seem more angry you, you about might, Just Stop Oil protesters. You may be confused. I am not, you didn't and say, nor are most people. You didn't say the Just Stop Oil protesters were frustrated, and that's what led to them doing what they did, did I, you? You said I lock them up. No, I agree. Unfortunately, you can't lock that man up, can you? Right, what I am saying... No, you, you what, killed What himself. I'm trying to illustrate here is that there is a need to put pressure on the government to come up with a cohesive plan. And you cannot deny... All right, Jenny... Uh, if, ..that hey, there is severe pr- frustration... I think we can all agree. Look, I think most sensible people can agree it is ridiculous, these numbers rocketing of people coming over illegally on dinghies, and it has to be dealt with, and nothing so yeah. far has worked. But I think we can also agree that this country needs a good level of legal immigration of people who will enhance our country. And right now, if you speak to anybody in many industries, like hospitality, for example, and so on, NHS, they are crying out for people. Absolutely. My my sister runs a restaurant and she is trying to uh, recruit from overseas because she cannot... cannot recruit absolutely it's a complete catastrophe and if this is what taking back control is i don't know what being out of control Mm. is it is a complete disaster this is a problem of our own making we could have done a lot better to control our borders if for example we hadn't been deliberately alienating the french by saying we didn't know whether or not they were our friends or our our enemies there is so much more that we could have done this is uh, entirely a failure of 12 years of conservative government we've had think about it we've had the ridiculous the hostile environments policy we had the rural policy. We had the whole Windrush scandal, scandal after scandal. It's all been a disaster. And what we need is proper leadership to actually sort the two problems out. One, how do we stop people risking their lives and possibly dying being trafficked over the channel? And secondly, how do we have a better system of asylum and refugees which actually deals with these applications quickly and we work out who should be here and who shouldn't? Because we actually lag quite far, far behind many we, European countries need, on how many we take we in anyway. a good, and, competent Home Secretary to do and, that, and, though, one that is driven by practice. Okay. And, Piers, I think that's what the conversation that really we should be having and all of us putting pressure on the government to respond. I agree. Is, where, where is I agree. Plan, but, Henry, I'm going like? to end by how I started and saying that the use of language is very important. 
You do not get anywhere in this debate by demonising people, by using subhuman language about them. I'm, and, and for my point, I would like to say that I agree with you. I, I do not and have not equated, however you'd like to put it, however you'd like to present it, I have not equated the refugees and the asylum seekers and migrants... OK. To let me explain. President Putin. Okay. Or let me explain. Let me explain bats. exactly. They are how, simply let me explain, a, a large number let me explain, uncontrolled let me coming explain onto our coast. Exactly. And that's got to be dealt let with. Let me explain exactly how you did compare them one more time. Because oh. you said the use of the word invasion about refugees and asylum seekers was justified because we use it about football hooligans and flying ants. I said it was and that, I'm afraid, and if you look, is an analogy I, which also, is disgraceful. But I also posted the Oxford Dictionary definition of what invasion is. Mm. And in that sense, it's difficult to it's deny not, that it was a No, it's not difficult. But, uh, well, it's only difficult if actually you look at them as I, less than human. We've got to leave it there. Not, Jenny, uh, Henry Bolton, thank you very much indeed. Still to come, 18 days before uh, the World Cup starts in Qatar, is it time for the footballers to stop protesting and focus on football? Uh, but next, shocking new details about cop cowardice in one of America's worst school gun tragedies. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Five months ago, a lone gunman entered Robb Elementary School in Nevalde, Texas, slaughtering two teachers and 19 children. It was the worst school shooting since Sandy Hook a decade ago. Now, shocking audio of 911 calls with a 10-year-old girl trapped inside has emerged, which shows the police waiting more than 40 minutes before taking action. This is how that dreadful day unfolded. 11.30am, CCTV footage shows the shooter entering the school. Moments later, you can hear him firing on the teachers and children inside. Ten-year-old Chloe Torres was one of the children, trapped. Here are some of the heartbreaking new 911 calls that have just emerged that she made at the time. Hello. 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 Chloe survived and her parents gave permission for those audio tapes to be released to highlight the unbelievable failure by literally hundreds of armed police who were waiting outside. And what were these officers doing when she made that last call, waiting in the corridors? They were standing there. They didn't do anything. For another 40 minutes, they didn't do anything. After a 10-year-old girl makes that call, it's really, truly unconscionable. Well, eventually, they finally entered the classroom to tackle the shooter, like I say, 40 minutes after that call from Chloe. 
But by then, of course, the real damage had been done. Well, joining me now is former Washington homicide detective Ted Williams and former FBI assistant director Chris Stecker, who joins me from Carolina. Well, welcome to both of you. Uh, Ted Williams, I've got to say, I've, I've always been supportive of the police. Generally, I believe they're a force for good uh, in America, in the UK, in, in, in most countries. When you look at what happened here and when you listen to that heart-rending series of, of tapes from this poor little girl. I have a 10-year-old daughter myself, so it particularly resonated. Uh, I, I just cannot understand why, given how many armed police were literally standing outside, they didn't just rush inside and deal with this situation. Can you? Pierce, I don't think any of us can understand. And when we listen to this child pleading for help, and you have grown men and women, law enforcement officers with guns and armed, would not go into that classroom for 40 minutes. Uh, I can tell you, these uh, law enforcement officers does, do not represent the best of law enforcement. The best of law enforcement would have gone in that classroom right away to try to save as many lives as possible. These cowards were more interested in saving their own lives and their own skin than helping those children. 19, 19 children and two of their teachers died. And you have a child in that classroom crying out, telling law enforcement what the hell is going on in there, that they're dead kids. And for 40 minutes, they stood around twiddling their thumbs. It is just so embarrassing and unacceptable to good law enforcement officers. I, I completely agree. I mean, Chris Wicker, is there any anything you could say to try and defend what happened that day in terms of the law enforcement conduct? No, I mean, first of all, this was... You mentioned the word failure. This was a failure of preparation. It was a failure of leadership. It was a failure of execution. It was a failure of training. These these officers act like they'd never been through this before, even in a drill. There, there is no, no, I can't offer up any mitigation other than to say that there may be officers in there that felt they were following orders. But as I, as I study this incident, and I've studied Parkland and I've studied Columbine, the golden rule, as Detective Williams points out, is you go to the sound of gunfire. There's no more of this mustering up on the perimeter, getting shields, getting the perfect situation, and then going in. You go to the sound of the gunfire until that gunfire stops and you've neutralized that threat. This is when this is when the rubber meets the road for law enforcement. This is what you signed up to do. And if you're not up to that, you need to find another profession. I don't want to be too hard. You know, you don't want to judge these officers harshly other than the one mitigation I can say is that there were all, there were people on the scene that seemed to be wanting to, to to be the the incident commander, if you will, and issuing some orders to stay back. Now that you know that police chief the, of the school district now backs up and says, "No, I wasn't in charge." Well, then he should have been in charge. He should have taken charge and done exactly what Detective Williams has said. You go in there and you confront the shooter and save lives. That's that's law I mean, you, you say we shouldn't oh, uh, talk about them, or judge them harshly. Actually, I do want to judge them harshly. I wanted to judge them harshly at the time, and my anger has only increased since I heard these tapes this morning. I literally couldn't believe what I was hearing. A 10-year-old girl calmly detailing exactly what is happening 
explaining there are lots of dead people inside. And you have 400 armed law enforcement standing around. One of them we saw earlier uh, at the start of all this a, a few months ago was actually washing his hands with hand sanitizer as children were being murdered. So I'm afraid I do judge them harshly. In fact, I wrote a column for the well, New York Post at the time saying, I think they should all be fired. I mean, Ted Williams, I, 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 if they can't go in to save children being blown to pieces by a maniac with guns, what are they doing as police officers? Why should they keep their jobs? They, sh they shouldn't keep their jobs. They should all be fired. They should all find some kind of other employment than law enforcement. Mr. Becker is right. You serve and protect your community. And you have children, children dying. You know they're dying. You know that there are children in there that have been murdered by this bottom feeder. And yet you stand around and try to say that there is nobody in command. Somebody could have taken charge. The fact that there isn't, there is no excuse. You cannot defend the indefensible in this manner. And as a result of that, they should all be fired. Mm. They shouldn't have anything to do with law enforcement. They are an embarrassment to the good men and women who serve in law enforcement all over this country who would have immediately, immediately gone in there to try to save lives. Well, I'm, you know, I would liken it, I would liken it, uh, Chris Wecker, to the scenes on 9-11 when all those firefighters it ran to what many of them must have thought might be certain death into the Twin Towers and lost their lives. They didn't hesitate for one moment to do their duty and do their jobs, and they were all heroes. None of this lot are heroes. They're the complete opposite of heroes. They're anti-heroes. They're people who, when they were finally tested with the biggest test of their careers, they utterly betrayed those children and the teachers and the families of those, of those kids. No, no question about it. You know, I, again, those in law enforcement know the rule. They, they know the, the procedures these days. This is 2022. We've learned from a lot of these other mass shootings. One, there's a preparation aspect to this that falls on the uh, law enforcement as well. But the execution aspect of it is, is clear cut. You go. That's all there is to it. And I, and I, get, I get a little bit upset when I see these press conferences where after a mass shooting, law enforcement is standing up there patting themselves on the back when, the, you know, we, that's not the focus and that's not the purpose. Well, and, uh, and this lot did it too. Afterwards. And it, this lot did yeah, it too. And it they, turned they, out they were lying, right? I mean, they, they right. literally spun a pack of lies, praising right. themselves for their heroism in dealing right. with this shooter. It's only later, thanks to some very good reporting, that we discovered the truth. And these tapes today, they, oh. they're not just heartbreaking, they are, they are shameful. They shame American law Most enforcement. Pierce, it's not Pierce, just an embarrassment. What was more shameful was the, what I define as the cover-up. They lied. They lied on a teacher, said that she left her door open. Or the governor says that he had been uh, given false information. Uh, but guess what? The governor hasn't taken any action against anybody. The, uh, the, the chief of, uh, of the Texas Rangers said that if any of his people were involved, that he would be leaving. 
He hasn't left. No. Or nobody has taken responsibility or accountability for the death of 19 odd students and two of their teachers. No, I completely agree. Uh, uh, Ted Williams, uh, thank you very much indeed for joining me and Chris Wecker. It's, it's honestly, it's enraging. It's an enraging story. It was enraging when it first happened. It's got more enraging over the months, the more we've learned about this sickening cowardice. Uh, but I appreciate you both joining me. Thank you very much. Well, still to come, with the Qatar World Cup nearly upon us, is it time for everyone to stop protesting, particularly the players, and either pull out of the tournament or shut up and get on with the football? We'll debate that next. And how do you pronounce Adele's name? Even she doesn't seem to know. But that might be because she's from Tottenham. Adele. 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 Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. My dazzling pack this evening is Kevin Maguire from the Daily Mirror and the Times' legal sketch writer, Quentin Let's Welcome dazzling. to both of you, a dazzling duo. <laughs> uh, I just want to start by congratulating my eldest son, Spencer, who just texted me to say he's been playing football tonight. They won 11-7 and he scored nine goals. As he puts it, Gareth Southgate, where are you? Uh, <laughs> quite right, well played, son. Um, gentlemen, before we get into what we're going to talk about, that debate there about what happened at Ivalde, we, thank God, don't have to put up with this kind of endless cycle of mass shootings. And when we had one very similar to this at Dunblane, we changed our gun laws irrevocably. But when you see what happened there, all I could think about was when I was in America trying to challenge the gun law situation and getting nowhere, uh, I always remember the NRA would pop up and they'd say, if only you had good guys with guns at schools, none of this would happen, they'd shoot the shooters. There were 400 supposedly good guys with guns, and they let these kids die. It was the timidity of protocol, wasn't there? Yes. Uh, but also was, moral uh, cowardice. Well, yes, but sh which is all... That, that was all part of it. It's, it's too much part of obeying the set procedures mm. and not being adaptable enough. It was extraordinary. Well, wouldn't any girl... of them... I mean, Kevin, if any of us were in that situation, anyone, and you had a weapon and you knew there was someone in a classroom killing yeah. children... I think we'd all go in, wouldn't we? You, you would want to, and you'd feel ashamed if you didn't. And if someone and, said, and well, you course... can't because of protocol, I think, well, yeah. stuff your protocol. Well, yeah. it was almost I mean, they were if... actually holding parents back yeah. outside the school. But, but there was almost as if there were too many armed police officers and no-one was taking control and yeah. the leadership. The former detective who was speak, uh, speaking... Very powerful, I, I thought. I, I, thought he, I thought he was fantastic. Now, yeah. whether you sack them all or you retrain them, if you can, and change how you operate, I would... I would possibly disagree with him over there because he was hard yeah. line, just sack him. But he was the type who would say, right, you've just you've got to address it, you've got somebody... You just need someone to say, get in there and say these lying, kids. Lying, lying oh, no. there, bleeding and, and dying. We, and as we now know, this young girl yeah. had the courage and presence of mind yep. to phone them and tell them yep. exactly what was happening. If Joe Biden has any sense, he'll get her into the White House. He should. Yeah, but that, Try but, and affect some change. But the but, National Rifle Association... No, but, you know, it's a visit and just yeah. to, to, yeah. uh, to apologise but, but to... The, but your opponents, National Rifle Association, facilitate the deaths of more Americans than terrorists have ever killed. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, Quentin, let's talk about, quickly, Rishi Sunak. You wrote an interesting column I just read before I came in today. That's most unusual. Your sketch. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually... Well, you write an interesting yeah, column. It's genuinely interesting me, yeah, because you said, <laughs> said there was a real a quantitative uh -huh. difference after PMQs today between 
what it felt like in the room. Yes. And what actually then you watch, watch back on television. And that he was much more impressive as a television operator than perhaps it seemed in the theatre. This was to do with the, the quality of his voice. It doesn't cut through uh, the, the, the terrible noise mm. in the Commons chamber. And I sit up in the gallery almost opposite him. I found it really hard to hear him today. Right. Because um, uh, I was watching it live on TV and I thought he handled himself very well. In fact, if I yeah. was Keir Starmer, I think I'd be getting a bit twitchy about Rishi Sunak for two reasons. One, they've got two years that they can wait until an election. They've got long, two years, yeah. As we know from the last three months, it's a very long time in politics. And should there be a recession, but then we start to come out of it and Rishi Sunak can position himself as the guy that got the ship back on track... That's not a bad election yeah, winner. I, I th but I th more importantly, Kevin... He was on the rack More importantly, migration. he's not a buffoon, no. right? He's not a half-wit. No. He's no. not someone who doesn't look like he's obviously talking about. He just seems a pretty competent guy who's yeah. trying to go about sorting stuff out. Well, he's no. certainly better than the last one. Uh, well, the last three, I'd say. At uh, least. Well, certainly, uh, certainly the last one uh, uh, in terms trust, of... Uh, really? Trust Johnson electoral May. Uh, Johnson had a big electoral appeal. You he did, you he did, but I don't think he had the substance to but go Su with the rhetoric. All I was trying to say about Sunak today was that it works, his voice works better no. yeah. for, for a TV, uh, for the microphones, than it does in, in the sort of the raw yeah. no, I get that. of the it, commons. It, it's, it's he better, slightly disappears because he's better, a bit too... Better, Kevin, as a Labour man, what, what do you think about Rishi Sunak? Oh, I think he's more credible than, uh, I agree, his three, three predecessors. He's certainly... More he's an adult, there's no doubt, and a, yeah. a grown-up, so he'll have to be treated differently. But he was on the back foot on migration. Mm. Starmer went on an area that the Tories are traditionally strong on and scored a lot of points. Who's been in power for, for 12 years? It's a good Why point, but I don't see any it? real answers from Labour. So my thing about the immigration, we had that debate Le earlier, yeah. I hate all the incendiary language. Yeah. I think it's repellent. I think Brabham yeah. in particular seems to specialise. I dream of flying them all off to Rwanda. These are in, people invading our country. It's all just nonsense. Uh, but, but, Isn't it, Quentin? No, uh, uh, Piers, I would just urge yeah. this caution. Uh, if you try to suppress the ordinary language that you hear on the streets and say that we politicians talk a different sort of language, I think you then increase the gulf between politicians. I, I don't agree uh, with that. I'll tell you why, because I actually think when, when leaders and senior politicians use inflammatory language, it whips up and encourages a lot more of it in the street. And actually, the job of politicians ought to be, in my opinion, to use language which is not incendiary. They shouldn't be inflaming things. They can talk yeah. about the crisis that's here. Clearly, we have a massive problem in trying to deal with this. But they can do it without using dehumanising language. I disagree. I think you get a disconnect, and I think that's where you get, uh, you, yeah. you get more... Tension Robert, Robert Jenrick, the immigration minister, won't use the language uh, right. she is of inv Most invasion. Most politicians won't. She knows what she's doing. She diverted attention from her security breaches and incompetence by getting, the, getting this argument around invasion. And it'll incite some people, but you're inciting hate. And we I saw, we just, we we saw just... with a far-right terrorist firebombing the well, We've Denver had two Center. members of parliament murdered yep. in the last six years in this country. Yep. We've just seen the US speaker's mm. husband brutally attacked mm -hmm. by a lunatic who'd been whipped up to think Nancy mm -hmm. Pelosi's the devil. You know, I can see a real connection mm -hmm. between inflammatory rhetoric. You saw it with Trump a lot. You saw it with Boris occasionally, but Trump, I think, worse. When you use dehumanising language, I don't think that helps any part of democratic debate at all. After, after uh, Boris Johnson attacked women wearing burgers, so they looked like bank robbers and mm. post boxers, there was a spike in uh, attacks on yeah. uh, British Muslims. Uh, look, politicians have to have a responsibility in what they say. I they, think so. And 
They shouldn't and be like people on the street. Not. Isn't that the no. point, Quentin? Really? I, no, I so you, you, can, on you can have a connection in terms of identifying a problem and saying, hey, you're going to solve it, but actually yeah. using incendiary language, all that will do is encourage everybody else to. I think if you create this impression that the politicians are on a higher plane, that the politicians are a clerisy who, uh, who take a higher view of things, I think you have a problem. But, but are, we entitled, are we entitled to expect them to be on a slightly higher plane, given that they are elected officials who want power to serve over us? I are think... we entitled to expect a better standard? Just let me answer. I think there is, it's very important on an issue like this where there has been... There is clearly a big difference between what the, the London political class thinks mm. and what you get elsewhere in the country. I think you have to, to knit back those two a lot more. Mm. And the, the language has become a bit airy-fairy. OK, yeah. let me just switch to another topic. This is... I've been watching... You know, I have a thing about the woke left just going increasingly insane and actually, in doing so, helping the right, right? And I say that as somebody probably slightly centre-left myself, or I used to be, mm. before the left got so mad that I now look like I'm right at the oh, till of the home. Oh, come um, home, come but home. Good Morning Norway. Come on, you know. Good Morning Norway, which is uh, God Morgan Norgi. Uh, GMN, so I have a particular affinity with Good Morning Norway. Just had an interview <laughs> with Gerund Victoria Alma, 53, who's an able-bodied male who now identifies as a disabled woman. This is not a joke, Quentin, this actually I'm, happened. I'm, I'm, I'm paying Alma has sparked outrage on social media uh, because it appeared as a disabled woman paralysed from the waist down because they'd always wished, this person, to be a woman who was paralysed from the waist down. Alma's a senior credit analyst for a big bank in Oslo and has actually received positive coverage in Norwegian media since announcing trans disability publicly on Facebook. Now, this self-identity thing has been going increasingly nuts. This is completely insane. <laughs> he scores a lot of points on you know, every sort of register. It's a double, ten, double tops for being, what, disabled and trans and, and Norwegian. Yeah, but, Alma yeah. currently utilises a wheelchair almost all the time, despite having no physical handicap, Kevin. Well, well, well if they want to get around in a wheelchair, then, then that's up to them, but to pretend... You can't identify as a disabled, disabled woman. No. It's nuts. No, no, and you shouldn't. And I th I so it's too woke even for you. I, Don't well, bring well, nuts. No. We finally, <laughs> we finally cracked Maguire. Ah, no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for respect. <laughs> and being sensible and pragmatic. Now, disabled people will probably be cheesed off, shall we say. But this, this is what it's happens. All, it's almost when you allow, when you allow limitless self-identity, this yeah, is what happens. But, but yeah, it's but quite clever to find a new, a new yeah. niche. Yes. But don't... But don't, <laughs> yeah, don't Nobody uh, else has thought of this. But it, but it, this very inventive. But this shouldn't be used as a broad attack on trans what about, people okay. or anybody else. I think, you know, I, just just think, a, I think when, when, when this not, kind of stuff happens... It's a nice kiss. It makes a mockery of... The whole thing, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Tell us something probably a little bit more serious. Director James Gray defending his latest film, Armageddon Time, because he's cast Anne Hathaway, Anthony Hopkins and Jeremy Strong as a real-life Jewish immigrant family, even though they're not Jewish, including Anthony Hopkins. What do we think of this? I mean, I, again, have a problem with this, Quentin. I think you're right to have a problem. The, 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 I, to me, actors act. That's the yes. whole point. Yes. They don't all need... don't have to have... Irish people playing mm. Irish people. They're going to have disabled people playing disabled people, gay people playing... Mm. We've never had to do this before, and nobody's minded. Why suddenly are we obsessed that everybody who plays a character in a film or TV show has to be that person Because people in real are life? running scared of Twitter and social media and they're being stampeded by a few nutters. 
and I think they should be stood up to. But I'm afraid it's, it seems to be going that way. And we'll never again will you have someone like Kenneth Moore playing Douglas Bader because you've got to have some an actor who's got no legs. Tom to do Hanks that. in Philadelphia. Yeah, brilliant. Shone a massive light yeah. on AIDS and probably yeah. did enormous help. Yeah. Are you going to do that with somebody who you've never heard of who yeah. might have AIDS in real life who, yeah. who plays it purely to tick a box? I, I have an autistic... Uh, uh, we have autism in the family and um, one of the most important films for me... Person was Rain Man, yes. Dustin Hoffman, yes. playing an autistic. Wow. Uh, who wasn't, of course, dude. autistic. No, Eddie, but shot Eddie, an amazing Eddie Redmayne, light on autism because he's a yeah. brilliant actor. Eddie Redmayne and Benedict Cumberbatch both played Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Um, is it Helen Mirren's going to play Golda Meir, the Israeli? Right. Um, and why not? Remember. She's an actress. Yeah, I think it only becomes an issue, right? And um, I'm kind of agreeing with you, but it only mm. becomes an issue where underrepresented groups, if they're there, aren't getting getting roles. If gay actors feel they, they're not or yeah, disabled I, actors... I think my point... I, think, I know, I, I know. think everybody, everybody should have the same yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Right? So it's like all these things. Same opportunity for yeah. all. Right? Everyone, if you're a disabled person, if you're gay, if you're trans, if you're black, if you're white, whatever, you just should be given the same opportunity. Yeah. And where that opportunity is thwarted yeah. through a system, then change the system to make it more inclusive. But that doesn't mean you then have to cast every single specific no, role. No, no, no. Right? But you have here the disconnect again yeah. between the elite and the people. Yes, I agree. And the, even the language that is discussed, that is used to discuss these yes. things, is just—it's a minefield. It is on which I repeatedly step. Yeah, well, I, and, I and, deliberately step on it. And, I, but do I think it's a ludicrous get, minefield. Do all actors get equal opportunity? Because there are fewer roles, say, for women, because of the way uh, so, so many. Films and TV shows. Yeah, and but then the answer to that, the answer to that they're now doing, they, they want gender neutral award shows, and all that will mean in the end is probably women win less awards. I don't know, so, actually. Because they were broadly... Well, it's like the Olympics, all right. You have the Olympics. Do you make no, it no. gender-neutral? Oh, no, Olympics... Then you'll find no women yeah, yeah, win, yeah. A, win a gold medal yeah, again, but, right? But that's, more Norwegians. That's in physical. Wheelchair. <laughs> no, but... The, this but, guy would win the... He would, yeah. <laughs> the Brits, let's, let's, the, let's, the Brits, clean have, up the the Brits have gone gender-neutral. In acting and in... Yeah. In uh, music, it doesn't mean f- fewer women. All right. Sport would, where it's just unequal. Let me just, before I let you go, how do you pronounce Adele? I know, I, Adele. You Adele. just said it. Adele. Right, yeah. let's listen to Adele today. Adele. Where is she from? Enfield or something? Love that. She said my it name perfectly. Yeah. She came and asked me how I say Adele. my name, and I was like, Adele. How's she was name? like, Adele. Did you, Adele? Adele. Yeah. Adele. Now, you see, it, it's actually Adele. She just can't pronounce it, because she's from Tottenham. And she's a Tottenham fan, <laughs> and she pronounces her own name wrong. She was christened Adele, but she wants us to think it's Adele. 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 Because Adele. Well, have you, because, have you, well, have you on EastEnders soon? Because she's a Spurs fan, and I'm, you can't... I don't yeah. think that's right. She shouldn't be able to recategorize her name. Well, she's the, the singer formerly known as Adele uh, formerly... or whatever. Chad, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great to see you. Lost to disgust, and I appreciate you coming in. Well, next tonight, sporting legend Gareth Thomas, the first openly gay rugby union star, joins me live to discuss protests against the Qatar World Cup. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. The build-up to a World Cup is normally dominated by frenzied excitement and optimism. This year, it's just a lot of negativity. It's getting ever more deafening. The growing chorus of critics rail against host nation Qatar's non-existent LGBT rights and the way they've been treating migrant workers. But is it time for the protest to stop and for players who don't agree with any of that to pull out of the tournament? 
uh, or just stay and focus on the football. Well, joining me now is former Welsh rugby player Gareth Thomas and comedian Rona Cameron. Welcome to both of you. Gareth, you are a World Cup legend. You've played in four World Cups, I just got told, which is pretty extraordinary. Um, what do you think of this? It's, it's complicated because I think... I would probably imagine we all agree about a few things. One, Qatar should never have been awarded this in the first place, given the apparent corruption that was going on. They then reconfigured all the schedules to play it in the best you know, heat that they can provide, but that ruins a lot of the uh, domestic schedules like our own here, and so on. And obviously, there are lots of human rights uh, incidents as well that we should be taking into consideration. However, the Middle East has never had the World Cup. It's a huge football-loving region of the world. Uh, is it not the time now as we get towards the tournament, after 12 years of knowing it's going to be here, to say, you know what, let's just get on with the football? Well, I, I, um, I think sorry, Gareth first, and I'll come to you, knowing, Yeah, sure. Sorry. I, I, think, I think on the point of 12 years of knowing, like I, myself, and so many other people have been trying to raise awareness. And when you talk about, you know, I, 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 and I follow you, and I like you, and, and as like a, say a virtue signalling, if anything, the, the, the media are now guilty of that because all of a sudden the World Cup has become something that has got attention. So all of a sudden, let's focus attention on the World Cup. Oh, but we can't just focus attention on the World Cup. We now have to focus on this. But I and so many other organisations have been trying to kind of raise the fact that the human rights and the laws anti-gay people living there or being born there or, or being able to survive there have, have been. You know, I've been around for such such a long time. Here's the problem, so Gary, if I have with it. I mean, he, now, look, I, I completely support yeah. gay rights to equality, full period, end. And obviously I hate the fact mm. that in, in Qatar it's, it's different. But eight of the 32 teams left in this World Cup are uh, countries where it's illegal to be gay. It's not just Qatar. And then when you look at the yeah. other countries involved in the World Cup, almost all of them have huge human rights issues, including, by the way, if you look at our own country. Yeah. You know, we, we illegally invaded Iraq, Let's creating say. two decades of terrorism. In other words, if you put the morality argument up, where does it end and where do you end up being able to play sport? Uh, can I because I that? think you can't blame the individuals who are playing the sport. You can't blame the individuals who are playing the sport for what for what their country is kind of representing, you kind of go there as a team with your with your own representation and your own wants and your own fans. And I think that's where the players become important and the, the message yeah. all of a sudden becomes important I, I as agree. to why let the me, players are there. Let me bring in now, I understand on the this. signalling of people wearing armbands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my thing about the armbands is it's like, well, so what? It's not going to make any difference. Rona, what's your view about this? <laughs> Well, firstly, I'm glad there was a break between the Norwegian um, disabled identifying as a uh, <laughs> woman uh, item because I nearly uh, lost control of my bladder. Uh, so uh, I was worrying that we were going to come to us straight after that. So, yeah, there's, there is a lot of insanity in the world and human beings are feeling the pressure everywhere. In terms of this tournament, I, I mean, of course, it should never have been there in the first place. And FIFA... Um, are going to make something like five billion uh, pounds out of this tournament, whilst these, uh, you know, as you've said, these poor workers from the Philippines and Nepal and all the rest of it have been working ten-hour days in forty-degree heat. I mean, if you just think about those those things, that basic sort of information, it's absolutely shocking. And then we're dealing with the fact that. Um, along with several other countries, largely with, with uh, Sharia law, 
um, there's still the death penalty for homosexuals. And you're quite right. There, there is there is some double standards with, with uh, other countries in the world. Mm. I mean, let's let's remind everyone that in the UK, it was the late 80s before they stopped seeing homosexuality as a mental yeah. illness. Yeah, listen, I, look, so, we're running yeah. out of time. I think I would simply yeah. say, I think the, the problem with getting a moral halo on about sport is you end up not being able to play anywhere because everyone's got their problems. But it's a good okay, debate. Get, Thank you for joining me. We're going to have a longer debate about that, this. But... Uh, I've got to leave it there to Gareth. Rhoda, thank you. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. Good night.